Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. And now through the end of December, you can go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. That's promo code POD20 at RighteousFelon.com, valid through 12-31-2022. Welcome back to the Midweek Mailbag. It is week 16, and your Detroit Lions are 507-7 after a 6-1 streak. And I am here to talk about it, of course, with my fantastic co-host. My name, by the way, is Jeremy Reisman. I am the producer of Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online and that co-host of mine, the managing editor of Pride of Detroit, the machine, <laughs> who may have a, a, a faulty, uh, I don't know, sprocket in his in, in his machinery. You can find him at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. What's up, hey, buddy? Are we hey. doing okay? Are we gonna make it? Ah, oh, we're gonna make it. Um, I'm, I'm finally getting. You can only take care of sick people for like two, three weeks before you get it, it catches up with you. So uh, I'm feeling it a little bit uh, last couple of days, but uh, yeah. Hey, I think there's nothing better than a uh, the excitement from Sunday to keep you roaring through the week. There you go. Love, love to hear that. And yeah, it's an exciting time to be a Lions fan. And uh, unsurprisingly, our mailbag is once again very, very full. Uh, so let's let's jump right into it. And I want to start with one. Um, this is actually a news item that we kind of held on to. We didn't really write anything about because we didn't think James Houston was necessarily going to be a thing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this question from Optimus Grime on Twitter asked, James Houston contract situation, his original rookie contract is void because he was a cut originally, right? Correct. Correct. How do lines secure him long term? Is he a restricted free agent? Uh, Eric, why don't, you, why don't you break the good news for him? The good news is, is that when the Lions re-signed him, they re-signed him for two years. So they got him through this season and all of next season. And then because of the way rookie contracts work, even though the contract expires after 2023, he's still being an exclusive rights free agent. So the Lions would still have control of his contract um, at the end of that season as well. So uh, they're in a pretty good spot with him, even though that rookie contract is uh, no longer it's uh they're still going to have uh him for a couple couple more years 
Yeah, and I think I think it's telling too, right? That they gave him a two year deal. Like that wasn't that wasn't by accident. They knew that right. he was. I mean, if you hear everything that that the players have been saying, that the coaches have been saying, like they knew he was going to be pretty good once he got out on the field. Probably not as yeah. good as he's played, um, but <laughs> they they definitely wanted to lock him up for more than just a year because I think I've even heard from the Lions locker room like there was a point in which James Houston was just kind of approaching every day as like. I just want to be able to put good tape out there for my next team. Like that was his mentality because he didn't know whether, whether he would stick around long-term. But I think once he started kicking ass in practice, it became apparent to everyone that that this is a weapon that the Lions need to utilize on the field. And and yeah, he's going to be locked up at least for the next two years. Like you said, because of the ERFA situation, probably well beyond that, uh, assuming the trajectory of his career uh, continues heading in this direction. But uh, let's move to the next question here. Uh, Polar, Polish asked what actually happened to Tommy Kramer. I feel like there was an update months ago that he was a few weeks out and then nothing. Um, unfortunately we don't have as positive of an update there because I think the answer is you nailed it. Um, we did get an update. I think at the beginning of November, I, I think I was the one who asked that original question. He's like, yeah, seems like maybe a couple weeks out. Um, and then we'll, you know, there's a good chance he returns to practice and we get him out there. I followed up maybe three or four weeks later and Dan Campbell gave me a very, brief we'll see kind of answer and nothing else and yeah the, yeah go ahead i was gonna say the tricky part is he has a back injury yeah. and we saw like with vitae a back injury can take you out for the season and uh, both vitae and levi right yeah yeah so uh while the i think the team might have been optimistic it's possible that they were just being optimistic yeah and uh, it's also possible that this is a lingering issue that could take him out for the whole season it's uh it's it's really an unknown yeah that it, i mean the, i guess the good news in all of it is is that you got evan brown back he wasn't great on sunday but you know he'd missed three games so i guess maybe get, leave a little leeway for him to kind of shake off some rust and it's not like the, the Jets were an easy uh, opponent to go against either. So um, hopefully the Lions are, are in an okay situation. Hopefully they remain, remain healthy at the right guard position because that has obviously been the weakest point on the O-line and, and maybe a key to unlocking the run game that has really struggled over the past couple months too. Um, let's you. let's keep moving on. Let's let's roll along here. Uh, we're we're knocking out questions fast, Eric. This is this is unlike <laughs> us. I like it. Um, uh, Detroit in Toll uh, asks, uh, do you feel like the line is right in in Lions Panthers? It's it's Lions minus three right now. Um, I'm usually pretty <laughs> logical when it looks to looking at the lines, and I'm surprised the lines are not favored by more. Do you think the market really hates the Lions on the road, outside, or in the cold? Question mark. I actually think the line is where it is be- for one main reason, and that is the fact that the Panthers are in second place in their division and only one game within striking distance of being the top team in the NFC South. And so, yeah. if that was a if they were you know five and nine, and then like a much it was a like they were in fourth place, I think the line might be bigger. But I think think the fact that they still have something to play for means a tighter line for Vegas. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I do feel like there's this narrative going around, and I think the the CBS broadcast really played into it on Sunday that the Lions offense and, and Jared Goff specifically has been very bad on the road, um, especially outside, especially in the cold. And I can't I can't completely disprove that, but I do think it's a narrative that is relying on a two two things: one, a small sample size, and two, a sample size that includes the lines going against some of the best defenses in the league, which just so happened to be on the road. Mm-hmm. The Jets are one of those teams. 
Yeah. The Patriots are another. And so is Dallas. Like all three of those teams are, we're talking like top five pass defenses in the league. And so I, I just, I don't know if I'd buy into that narrative as much. I think you're oversimplifying things when you're saying, Oh, it's just cause he's, you know, he's outside. He's not comfortable. I don't, I don't buy into that. And even, you know, the Dallas game was, was indoors. So doesn't really feed into that narrative as well um, through two of his, however many interceptions he has on the year uh, in that game, two of his seven. So I just, yeah, I mean, and other people in the chat are pointing out that they put up 31 against Chicago on the road. Um, yeah. I mean, when they're playing bad defenses, they put up a lot of points that that's really what I think the whole thing is here. Like there, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no mystery box to, to playing outside or, or play. And, and honestly, home field advantage there's a reason why it's not like minus three anymore for Vegas because it, it's becoming less and less important to teams. And I don't, I can't explain exact, exactly why that is. I just think you look at, you look at the lines remaining schedule. They're, they're playing a lot of bad defenses. I fully expect Jared Goff and the offense to bounce back almost completely. Um, you, you do hope that the run game improves because I do buy into the narrative that when it is cold outside, when it's windy, when the, when the weather conditions aren't perfect, yeah, you're going to rely on your run game a little bit more than your passing game, but, um, but I don't know. I, I just I think I think we're overlooking kind of we're we're trying to see, and uh, I don't know a a factor in in this Lions offense that, that that isn't there when the most obvious one is right in front of you. Like they struggle against better defenses, just like every other team in the NFL. Yeah, look, I when you have a record over the last several years, the way that the Lions do, you can find statistical evidence of whatever you want. Right. You know what I mean? And so if you want to build a story that it's cold and you better watch out for, you know, then you can build that narrative. And the reality is, is you got to watch and see where they are and make your assertions from there. Yeah. Um, question here from our live audience here on twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit. Uh, Lost Ocean asks, do you see the Lions going for it more on fourth down when in field goal range of 50-plus for the remainder of the year? Two out of three games in the cold, too. Um, yeah, what, what's your what's your feeling on that? Do you think the Lions have maybe lost a little bit of faith in, in Michael Badgley? And, and, you know, they're already an aggressive fourth down team, so maybe this is adding a little bit more to that? Yeah, yeah I don't think they necessarily lost faith as much as I think they know where he's at now. You know what I mean? Like, they're like – this is what his range is, and if we're outside of it, then we know we're outside of it. At the beginning of the season, like uh, the first time they faced Minnesota, they didn't know. They didn't know if his if his he could hit a fifty yarder. They learned he could. Now they learned fifty four outside is probably not in his range, and so I think it's just about learning where the kicker's at, what he can do. I mean, they, because it was accurate, it just didn't have the distance. Yeah, the the one thing I will say, I I, I think I mostly agree with you, and I certainly hope. Um, that's that's how they they take this information. I hope they they use this as a data point, a, a critical data point. Um, but I, I will say I'm a little bit concerned because I did listen to Dan Campbell on the radio this morning, and he says he does does not regret that decision. Um, which means, and I mean, you're, you're not going to publicly say that you no longer have faith in Michael Badgley from 50 plus yards, or 52 yards, or 53 yards, or 54 yards. Yeah. Um, but. Even even knowing everything we knew about Michael Badgley up until that point, that wasn't really the choice I was hoping Dan Campbell was going to make in that moment. And you you can relate it back to the Vikings game, but it's not a one to one comparison. Um, you know, there was like eight minutes left in the game uh, on Sunday versus yeah. two in, in in the Vikings game. Um, the the Vikings offense is is far more potent than the Jets offense in general. So it, it's it's not a fair comparison, but at the same time. 
you gave up a lot of field position there for a field goal that I feel like yeah. Lions fans believed maybe there was a 30% chance that you were going to make it. Um, so hopefully, hopefully in the future, they don't put the game on Michael Badgley's legs. Like I'm, I, I know that sounds harsh to say, but I just, I'm, I'm personally not at a level where I think I can trust him from 45 or beyond. I think he, I, I mean, he's only missed, offense, he's though. missed. Yeah. He's missed three in the last four games and that's, those are his only three misses. Right. Yeah. Um, one of them was really bad indoors on Thanksgiving. Um, and then 54 outdoor, the uh, kicking outdoors is really hard. The ball is like sure. a rock. Yeah. Um, it really, it's really difficult. So I, I I'm not, I'm not, I think it's going to depend on situation, area, temperature. There's a lot, a lot of factors that's going to go in for me, but I'm not shying away from him at 45. I'm maybe not even 50, but when you start getting longer, it does get a lot harder, especially outdoors. Are you, are you on the draft, a kicker, perhaps Jake Moody bandwagon right now, or, or do you think the Lions can kind of weather gradually? It's, I mean, it's fun to think that, but like, uh, I think Brad Holmes values his draft picks a little bit more. It'd have to be a picker, a kicker that he would be supremely confident in. And, you know, I don't think he seems to value, uh, you know, place kickers as highly, right? Like, yeah. obviously, punters, you flip the field. There's all kinds of things that punters are extremely valuable. Um, and that's why they re-signed Jack Box. But it seems to be like the difference between a, a drafted kicker and an undrafted kicker even when you cycle through guys, there's not that huge difference between guys in the NFL there. You know, unless there's a Justin Tucker, you right. know, who knows if you're ever going to really see that, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. I mean, I like Moody, don't get me wrong, uh, but I'm not going into this draft thinking you have to draft a kicker. Yeah. And to me, like Moody, he's not that great from long distance either. And and to me, that's the, like, that's the thing that separates good or acceptable NFL kickers from great ones. Like Badgley is, is, is a good kicker from 45 in, but in the NFL, it, it's really nice. And and maybe, maybe even saying, uh, maybe categorize it as a luxury to have a guy mm-hmm. that you can really trust in that early 50 range, the 50 to 55. There's a handful of guys that you can trust. And it's not just Justin Tucker, you know, I can't think of the Bengals kicker's name, but he's also very, very good and and was huge last year in, in the playoffs. And so having that guy in the playoffs, having these guys in December when the weather's not good, like it's hugely important if you're not blowing teams out. And this is the NFL. You're not going to blow teams out on a week-to-week basis. So I think if that guy, and I, I don't really think Jake Moody is that guy, but if you can find that guy that you can really trust from 50 to 55 and, and maybe even to kick a 58, 59-yarder, in, in, in a pinch that to me has a lot of value, especially, especially when you're a really competitive team. The thing I like most about Moody and then we can move on is um, his veins, like he, big situations, big moments don't rattle him. And that's, yeah. that's a, that's a big uh, characteristic for a kicker that it, it determines success a lot of times. No question. No question. All right. I don't know how I just convinced us to talk about kickers for five minutes there, but let's, let's get <laughs> off that. Uh, here's a, here's a good palate cleanser um, from Dirk, the knife on Twitter asks, will Tracy Walker be available for the Super Bowl?" You can watch it <laughs> from the mm-hmm. sidelines though. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, won't be suited up. 
Yeah. yeah, no, he's he's definitely I, I know probably not a serious question, but um definitely not <laughs> going to be physically healthy uh if the Lions were to make a Super Bowl run. Um last one before we go to break here, uh from Prolick on Twitter asks the Lions have done an amazing job setting up an offense to fit what Goff does well, short passing game and rhythm. How concerning is it if the Lions lose Ben Johnson? We keep coming back oh, to this one, Eric. Geez. We can't Very, enjoy anything in the moment. I mean, very yeah um yeah you know uh, yeah it's look they designed a personnel around they designed a team personnel around guys that they wanted to build around right and then they they designed a scheme to highlight things that worked well for jared goff and that's that's what a smart offense does that's what a smart offensive coordinator does um if you lose Ben Johnson, you lose that aspect of it. And, you know, you don't have a ready-made replacement. And so, yeah, it would be awfully nerve-wracking uh, to not know what you're getting, not know who's coming in. Um, Jared Goff aside, I think it would be uh, it, it would be ner- a little nervous. You know, it would make Lions fans a little nervous uh, to lose Ben. The, the one thing I will say is I think you can at least have a little bit of faith and Dan Campbell being able to to keep the ship ship afloat because yeah. he remember Dan Campbell was kind of the one who was the offensive coordinator last year, right? I mean, he was the one definitely calling the plays and and listen, the, the Lions offense had that bump towards the end of last year. They had mm-hmm. that kind of spurt. And yes, Ben Johnson certainly had a hand in a lot of that as well, but so did Dan Campbell. And so I think Dan Campbell understands the vision, understands what this team really does well and why they do it well on offense. So that either means he's going to take over the offense, which I think is less likely, or he's going to know someone who sees that vision and is able to carry out that vision. And whether that's an internal hire, which is what I would put early money on, whether it's Tanner or, or um, Deuce, I think those are probably your two most likely candidates interior or maybe someone from their, his, his dolphins days or saints days, or he's, I think he's going to find someone that he believes can carry out the vision that he believe that, that that's already set, right? Like they know what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to have to change anything. They do drastically. Right. Yeah. I mean, ideally, right. Yeah. You wouldn't want to have that much change from year to year. Um, the hard part, the hard part about, determining uh, coordinator successors is that we don't have that intimate knowledge of position coaches and their abilities to be, look at the larger scheme, right? We just don't, I mean, we don't have that kind of access. We don't get to interview them that often. And so um, it's hard for us to really tell. We just have to, you just have to put your, your faith in, in the fact that Dan Campbell has enough connections and knows enough people that he could find a replacement that could, that could do the job. Let me, before we get out of here, let me, let me ask you on, on a scale of one to 10, what is your concern level that he actually leaves? Well, it gets, it gets higher every week, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I mean, every week he shows new wrinkles every week. He shows how he can build on things every week. It's, it's, uh, it's just another layer on what he does. Uh, as a coordinator to put his team in the best best spot to succeed. And so, yeah, I think every week it just gets a little bit higher and a little bit higher. Avoided the question like a pro there. I'm going to say, I'm honestly, I'm like at a seven and a half, eight. Like I, I, I'm still of the belief that it's going to happen. 
Um, I, I, I don't think there's a question at this point he gets interviews. Um, yeah. The question, like I've been saying for, for a couple weeks now, is, is one, does he get offered a job? And two, if he does offer <clears> the job, is he the kind of guy that's going to jump at the first opportunity? Or is he the kind of guy that is going to wait for the right opportunity? Uh, and I wouldn't blame him for doing either one of those things. Um, and, and we just have no idea what kind of person he is when it comes to that sort of thing. Because if you ask him about uh, a head coaching job, he's going to get mad at you and say, I'm focused on being an offensive coordinator right now. So we'll have yeah. to just kind of wait and see. And in the meantime, enjoy these last three games and maybe, maybe more beyond that. And uh, yeah, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Speaking of waiting, how things play out, uh, you guys are going to have to wait for this commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to answer more of your Lions questions as we head towards the Panthers for a big showdown in the NFC Uh Two playoff contending teams, which seems weird to say, considering one is seven and seven, <laughs> one is five and nine. But we'll answer questions about that and more on the back half of this episode of the midweek meal, midweek mailbag. We will be right back. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we are back here on the midweek mailbag. Myself, Jeremy Reisman, and Eric Sweat answering your Lions questions as we head to week 16 against the Carolina Panthers, your 7-7 seven and seven Detroit Lions. Let's get into some playoff talk. Um, we just off-air talked a bunch of Packers stuff, and indeed we also got a Packer question here on our, uh, uh, through Twitter. And so let's 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 – Talk about the elephant in the room here. The Green Bay Packers still technically alive after winning against the Rams on Monday night. Question here comes from Keith Battle on Twitter. Um, Bigger FU to Green Bay. Beating the Packers in Lambeau in Week 18 to secure a playoff spot or resting starters in Lambeau in Week 18 because the Lions have already clinched? (laughs) I I think the bigger slap in the face would be the resting the starters. Um, (laughs) But um, I, I personally would rather smack the taste out of their mouths when uh, when the game's on the line. Like, I I, I know that, like, people are scared uh, of the Packers, and I get it, and there's history there, and there's all kinds of, like, ref problems and stuff that come along with Lambeau Field. I don't care. I want – I want – give me that joy. That's what I want. I want that joy. I want it to be on the – I want the Lions – 
to, you know, be in a spot where it, it means something. I want the Packers to be holding on with the, just grasping for the last little bit. And I want the, the Lions to just slowly step on them and squeeze the tears right out of their eyes. <laughs> wow. Eric, this is this is a violent side of you that I, I, I've i never witnessed. To be fair, I haven't, I haven't really known you personally since the Lions have been good. Um, <laughs> when the Lions have been good, I should say. But yeah. I'm sorry. Like I, I am Mr. <clears throat> I know on this podcast, especially on our live streams a couple weeks ago, I was here screaming at Lions fans to stop being afraid of the Lions, stop being afraid of the Packers. But now, now that the goal is a little bit more attainable and that everything is a little bit more realistic now, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of running to my scaredy hole again a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and and part of it, it, this, and this isn't an SOL thing. It, it It's more of a me kind of realizing that the Packers, are maybe not as bad as I thought they were because listen, they're not a good football team. They're a really, they got a really horrible defense. There's a reason why they all want to fire Joe Barry, but they're starting to come on offensively. And you guys know how much I love DVOA since week 10, they have the number two offense in the league. Sorry. Number three, <clears throat> number three offense. What's the lion's defense at that time? Ninth or 10th. Okay. So what's the Lions' offense at that time? Fifth. Okay, and then the Packers' defense during that time is what, like 30th? 24th. Yeah, okay. All right. So Lions are a more complete team. There's no question about that, but mm-hmm. they're more even than maybe you'd expect because Green Bay is eighth overall, eighth overall in DVOA where the Lions are third in, in that time. So it, to me, it's just – to me, I am a fan that doesn't want – I hate anxiety. I'm an anxious person, whether yeah. it's my Jewish background or whatever. Like, I'm a nebbish person. So to me, take all of the emotion out of that final game – Wrap everything up. Don't leave anything to chance. Don't leave anything to ref shenanigans. Don't leave anything to weather shenanigans. Don't leave anything mm-hmm. to an Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary. Leave nothing on the table. Clinch by week 17, at the end of week 17, and go into week 18 saying, you don't mean crap to us, Packers. We're already in the dance. Yeah. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I'd love to have that thing wrapped up by Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, that's a realistic yeah. Uh, situation where you know the yeah. lie if the things fall the right way, right? And and to be, I'm, I, I won't. We won't run through the scenario now, but just so you know, on the website we're going to have a very clear breakdown of how the lines can clinch by the end of week seventeen. But at the same time, there are memorable moments that are burned into your into your head, and they're not. Moments where you are walking into a game with everything in your back pocket, nothing to play for, and just confidently walking into the playoffs. No, those moments that are burned into your memory are the ones when something's on the line and you have the and, the, and it means something to the other team, and they try to take it, and you snatch it from them and you bury them. And that's what I want. I want to see. I want the last image. Of a, of a Aaron Rodgers in a Packers uniform to be him whining to the refs because his players didn't run the right routes or that the, they there was a pass breakup that that uh, by Akuda that could that be that he blames the refs for not throwing a flag. I want that seared into my eyes so that I can see. I want it tattooed on your arm next to your uh, uh, Mount Rushmore of Lions media. I want I want Aaron Rodgers just breaking uh, in front of me as the Lions put him into retirement on their way to the playoffs. Let me give that to me. 
Eric, I think I think I found the perfect happy medium here. <laughs> Giants lose out, Washington loses out, Seattle loses out. The Lions clinch a playoff spot in week 17, but that now they're in six instead of seven. That seven mm-hmm. spot is still on the line for the Green Bay Packers. And what do mm-hmm. the Lions do? They send out Nate freaking Sudfeld to Matt Flynn them and beat them oh, in week God. 18 and su- knock the lines out or knock the Packers out of the playoffs with their backup freaking quarterback. How about that? <laughs> Can we agree on that? Like that would be beautiful. <laughs> Perfect. I don't know, man. Nate, Nate's, he has a negative two yards uh, to his record. <laughs> this season, so I don't know. I don't know. Come on. That, that like, if, if we're dreaming up dream scenarios, that has to be <laughs> the best. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, while we're playoff dreaming here, uh, let's move to uh, our, our good friend Dan Pastas on Twitter um, asking about the JMO play. Um, is uh, is syncing up with J- with the fast receiver like JMO a thing, or uh, was was JMO essentially out of Jared's um, arm range in that play? Do you think? Or I think it's sinking. Deep- good. Yeah, I, th- I think it's syncing up. Right, like you know, he's had. He had the off season. He's had most of the season with the other guys to build that rapport. Like he's had three weeks with Jameson. You know what I mean? Like I think, I, I think one Jameson's faster than he probably recognizes. Uh, but two, um, I think he just shorted him because he didn't realize like he was just going to be that far. He's done. He shorted him on all three throws, yeah. and I think that's more about syncing up because he even shorted him on the the. the 20 15 yards uh sideline throw too you know what i mean like i think he just doesn't have that timing down uh with, with jameson uh just yet because i mean he he can throw it he can throw it deep when he wants to i just don't think he has the rhythm Do you, i've seen some people make this argument and, and i think i might have to go back and, and watch it myself to, to give an informed opinion on it but i'm curious as to your thoughts um, some think that that JMO should have made a, a stronger play for that ball and, and could have at the very least um, gotten a pass interference penalty. Oh, I'd have to go back and look at the see yeah. that. I think okay. he was just gone and he was just running and, and he wanted the ball. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's I mean? also, like, yeah, and it's also very yeah. hard to just say, oh, yeah, just like stop and go back for the ball when you're running a million miles per hour, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I I'd have to take a closer look at that, too. Okay. Um, next one comes from Lions fan Oaxaca. Uh, asked, during the offseason call-in show, the POD crew raised skeptical eyebrows about the Lions' plan to raise the level of the linebacker play through competition. Now the yeah. Lions' linebacking core appears strong, and national analysts are praising the Lions' as front seven. Why the turnaround? Kelvin Shepard? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's uh, definitely a big part of the equation, right? Kelvin Shepard's a stud. Yeah, yeah. Kelvin Shepard. Um, I think Aaron Glenn changing the scheme up a little bit and tweaking it at, at the midway point has yep. helped as well. Um, Rodriguez has has elevated his game to uh, you know uh, to out kind of kick his stat his uh, draft status, right? Um, so I think there's been a few things that have really leveled the leveled them up a little bit. They're still errors uh but you saw some development from Derek Barnes you saw uh Rodriguez really step up Alex Alex Anzalone is playing some really good ball I and I what I do really wonder how much Shepard has contributed to that because it's not often that uh you get a guy who's played at a certain level 
for like five, six years in the league. And then all of a sudden things start clicking for him, like as drastically as we've seen, like, um, I do think Shepard's either helping him by pointing things out or, or, or they're helping him with his keys. I think also having Malcolm next to him, it helps that helps out a lot too, because Malcolm can just fly the sideline to sideline. But yeah, I, I think you've got to give the coaching staff a lot of credit. The scheme uh, is suiting them better. And then the players have just leveled themselves up as well. The, the one thing I will add, and I think this shouldn't go overlooked or understated um, chemistry. I think, I think, and, and remember what the, the whole narrative was from Lions coaches in the first half of the season, why the defense was struggling. Because players were overcompensating, right? They didn't trust yeah. the guy next to them to do what they were doing, and so they were trying to do more. And I think, well, and, yeah, Alex I was going to say Anzalone did that. Yeah. Yes, that is that is why I think you're seeing such a drastic change with him in particular, and mm-hmm. he's kind of like the the driver, right? He's he's the the guy behind the entire linebacking crew. He's the leader of that group. He is the guy calling out plays. He is the mic. He, I mean, he's. He's so critical to the play of everyone around him. And last year he was playing next to Derek Barnes, who's barely played off ball linebacker right. in his NFL career. And so mm-hmm. now you're getting guys that, that, that are understanding the position better. Barnes is understanding the position better. Obviously you got a stud in Malcolm Rodriguez and you got a good coach who now knows the strength of all these players and they're playing well together. And you have a guy like Alex Anzalone who plays with a chip on his shoulder, who knows he has a 27 missed tackle rate last year and fixes that problem. Now he's much better yeah. at it. And so I think, I think you really have to take into mind that it takes, I mean, it takes a while for young players to get better and get used to playing with those guys. And yeah. we've heard it all over this, this, this past month, the Lions coach is saying, um, you know, it really, it really took a while for, for things to click with these guys. Right. And, and the, the, the turnover from last year, even just from last year to, to this year was eight, nine starters on defense. Ooh, seems like it. Yeah. It, I mean, the, the only guys who have stuck around essentially are Alex Anzalone and Aleem McNeil. Everyone else right now wasn't starting last year. And so, well, well Trace, Tracy, but yeah, starting right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah starting right yeah. now. So yeah. essentially everyone else, is starting yeah. for the first time, playing together next to each other for the first time, and so it took some time. Yeah, and 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 now now you can look ahead and be like, I don't know how much linebacker needs to be a priority for this team, and that is not a position I thought I would be in uh, when we were when we were talking mm-hmm. in those Spotify lives when we were in training camp, and 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 let's give credit to the Lions coaching staff because they said this was coming from the beginning. They said the competition in the room was going to make guys better. They said they mm. they liked the guy the guys in the room. They said and and they were right. They were right. We were wrong. I I, I still think they need to add depth and and somebody that can have be the future, right? Because we we don't know exactly where Derek Barnes is going to go. Um, and and I do think they need to that still needs to be a position they add depth to. But I think if, if they I agree with you if they bring back. Anzalone, and, and they right. still have they still have Rogers and, and, and uh, I'm sorry they still have uh, Derek Barnes and uh, Rodrigo uh, under contract. Yeah, you're you're still in a pretty good spot, especially with some of the other depth pieces at linebacker being good special teams contributors that they probably want to retain as well. No question, no question. Um, trying to find a good one to close out on here because I don't know. I, I, 
I, I almost wish, wish I had asked that Packers question last because I feel like we had a really good answer. <laughs> you had a nice rant there, and I feel like we we came together nicely for a for a good closing one. Um, <laughs> update on Barnes' injury: we don't have one yet. I think today is going to be telling. Um, it is worth noting because the lines are on a short week. Um, they play on Saturday. We'll get an injury report Tuesday. So probably by the time you're listening to this at home, we already have maybe a little bit of a feel for Barnes. The one thing I will say is I continue to see him in the locker room. Big smile on his face. Not, not, you know, it's it's a knee, I believe, right? I don't I don't see him favoring it a lot. So I don't and and they didn't put him on the IR. So I think the expectation is for him to be back soon. Yeah, I don't it's 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 weird because he didn't it that was like a after the fact type yeah, of injury. He played the entire right? game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well he he did come out and then I think he came back in. Yes. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know exactly. Like it's hard to get a prognosis on him. So uh, and, and, you know, ideally you get him back. I think they're, they're hanging in there without him though right now. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're doing all right. And, and, you know, other guys are stepping up. Jared Davis is stepping up a little bit. Chris board has had a, a good player too. And like, like I said, the linebacker, like the front seven, I think that's what I really want to focus on. On, I know that the secondary is, has struggled in the past two weeks, but the front seven has been, I don't, is great an overstatement for the front seven on how they're playing right now. Well, what they're doing against the run is really a, a key part yeah. to to their success, and that's going to continue to be a key part to to their success down the stretch because um, Carolina is going to try and run the ball. Um, Packers are going to try and run the ball, and uh, you know the Bears, Bears certainly are in in their yeah. own unconventional way, right? And so it's it, so that change you know you have to change up how the run defense is for them a little bit, but the way that they've been able to buckle down against their last X number of opponents, you know, uh, it, it's been key. It's been key to to stop. The Jets, the Vikings, the um, and the Giants' uh, rushing attacks; uh, those were big, big factors in the win. Yeah, they're they're making those offenses one dimensional, which allows you, um, which you know we always hear Aaron Glenn say this: like you have to earn your right to pass rush. They're earning the right to pass rush, and and you're yeah. earning your right to put James Houston on the field, and it's working. And then, yeah, and you're starting to see the benefits pay off late in games because. Uh, Romeo got his second sack late in the game. Comiskey got a sack late in the game. Um, and, and it's been like that the last couple of games as well. You've seen those those sacks come come through in the, near the end when they uh, when you're able to pin your ears back. I mean, look, it's it's almost like a game of attrition, right? Yeah. And you just have to outlast. And the way that they've been winning is – the running game is working better late. Their pass works is working better late. And those are things that you are able to, those things are, are catalysts as a result of you just beating them up throughout the game as you go. And I think they've been doing that on both sides of the ball in the trenches. Speaking of both sides of the ball, and this will be the one we, we end on here. Who is your Lions MVP for offense? And who is your Lions MVP for defense and our uncle Indigo, who's the one asking it, says you can't pick Jared Goff. Oh, okay. I wasn't going to. 
I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Great. That's going to help people shed the Pride of Detroit hates Jared Goff. Uh, well. I mean, it's Amon Ra, right? Mm. I would love to say it's Amon Ra. I'm tempted to say Taylor Decker. Ooh, I thought you might say him too. I. Taylor Decker deserves a lot of praise this year. Not only for yeah. some not only for his play on the field, but I think I think he's been I think he's taken a step as a leader. I, I yeah. like some of the things he's saying to the media. Um he's he's gone through emotional hell. And you can tell he's having a lot of fun right now, too. So um Decker's yeah. a good De- Decker's a good pick. Mm. I still think of Tom Honor, though. Yeah, he's so clutch. You know what? I mean, he's so clutch. Um Defense, at the beginning of the year, I picked this guy, and I don't know if I can move away from him. I still think it's Hutchinson. Yeah. I think he's just what he does at so many different levels. Um, It's just there's a domino effect around him from what he does. And that's a a hard ask for a rookie, but he's – He's kind of met expectations for me. So uh, I still think on defense is probably Hutch. I I, I I agree with you, and that's it, probably my pick, but I, I don't think I don't think Alex Anzalone is far behind. I really don't. And again, again, a lot of it is is not just play on the field, but it's it's the importance of of him being a leader, it's the importance of him being a play caller and, and communication on a very young defense in a very young linebacker room. It's yeah. important. It's important. Um, God, I, I like. I almost want to include Aleem in the in in the discussion too because I think he's really come on during this this seven game stretch. I thought he was fantastic against yeah. uh, against the Jets last week. Um, and and we just talked about the importance of stopping the run. He him and Bugs are are so important to that. Um, well, and, look at the question that John asked at the beginning of the week. What's been the What's been the one factor? that has been a catalyst in the turnaround and that's turnovers and who's been more of a factor about turnovers than anyone else. And that's Kirby. True. You know what I mean? Like you could, you could throw Kirby's name in the mix. He's number one in the fan vote, right? Well, it it does like he was six and now he's, and then like he drove up. Right. So part of six turnovers, like those are six turnovers that they probably don't have last year. And those are things that have helped them win. And that's you draft him because he does that and you put him on the field and he's, I mean, I still think Hutch. Yeah. I still think Hutch from, from week one to week now, it's been consistent the whole way and it's hard to, hard to move away from him, but there's a lot of other players that have definitely elevated their game, especially in defense. And we'll end our midweek mailbag there. Uh, If you want to join us for further conversations like we will have after this show, uh, make sure to join us next week live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. We usually record these on Tuesday afternoons, usually around somewhere between 12 and 1. Check twitter.com slash Pride of Detroit for details there. But until next time, thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. 
brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work.